first 30 seconds of it. They missed all the good stuff. Uh, let me define what hollowed is. None of us here speak 16th century English. And a testament of it, a testament of it can be seen on YouTube. A little girl was asked, what is God's name? And she said, Harold. And the mother said, why Harold? And she said, that's what we say on Sunday. Harold be thy name. She doesn't know what it means. What does hollowed mean? Very easy. It means to set it apart. To set it apart as something worthy. And notice that Jesus puts this as the first thing to pray. You know, when my wife has a grocery list, she's learned to put the most important things first if she wants some guides. We put important things on the top of the list. Let's do the same thing. So let's pick that up in our sermon in a sentence. Set God's name apart first. Set God's name apart first. Let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, the only thing this morning harder than our heads is our hearts. And we so desperately need your Spirit to soften us, to make us receptive to your Word, that we would hear it and love it and obey it. Father, I pray that you would work this mighty miracle in our life this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's read. We're going to read the entirety of the Lord's Prayer this morning. When you pray... Pray then like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thus ends the reading of God's Word this morning. Are names important? Dickie Scruggs, the infamous Mississippi trial lawyer, was a poor boy from a broken home down in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And one day he struck it rich. Uh, he won a $34.8 billion settlement from the tobacco industry. Little Dickie became rich in a hurry. And after he won that settlement, he bought his first Gulfstream jet, and on the, on the fin of the jet, he put DS-348, Dickie Scruggs, $34.8 billion. That name meant something to him. He was no longer a poor boy from Pascagoula, he was somebody. That name meant something to him. Now we may think, well, that's just rich people being rich. But slow down for a minute. Last week, someone corrected me because I added an extra letter to their son's name. Now they weren't just harassing me because I'm a poor country boy from so-so. Instead, that name meant something to them. That name summarized struggles and sacrifices, laughter and tears. 
It summarized the most important part of their life. That name was important. We have a cemetery out here full of names because names are important to us. What about God's name? Jesus puts it first in prayer because it is first importance. And so let's follow his lead. Let's set God's name apart first. If we're going to do that, we need to know, first know what God's name is, what it means, and then we'll ask how to set it apart. So let's take up that first one. What is God's name? How does God make his name known? I want to do a thought experiment this morning. I'm going to give you a list of names. And you just think about them as I, as I say them out loud. George Washington. Magner Evans. Leonard Skinner. Joe Biden. God. Now when I say those names, the first thing that comes to your mind is not, how do you spell Leonard Skinner? No. All that name is a peg to which you hang all your memories and associations on. That name recalls tons of events. That's how we are made to function. Now what comes to our mind when we say God? Now I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. Most of the time when you say the name God, well, there's a lot of quietness. I can go out in public and say the name Joe Biden, and someone can talk my ear off for four hours. Trust me, it happened this week. But you say the name God, and there's an awkwardness, a timidness. Why? You see, the word God is not just simply three letters. The name God is what we hang all of our memories and our associations on. It is what it signifies all that God has done. Now, what has God attached to those three letters? What has God attached to his name? Well, the clearest answer can be found in Exodus 34. I'm going to read this passage to you. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God very clearly tells us his name. God has made himself known through names and titles. God has made himself known through names and titles. And we see he starts, he says, the Lord, the Lord. Let me say something clearly. None of us here will ever know God fully. But we can know God truly. If everything about God could fit in this little brain, that would be a poor, pitiful excuse of a God. We cannot know God fully, but we can know God truly. 
And one of the ways we do that is through names and titles. So let's just, for example, let's say uh, Monty comes up to you and he gives you a business card and it says Monty Baxley, Barber. You might not know Monty fully, but you do know him truly. And from that card, he's a barber. You can probably guess his education level, uh, his financial status, uh, who he hangs out with, who his affiliates are, what groups or organizations he might be a part of. You see, from that name and that title, you can gather a lot of information. And in the same way, God's names and titles function the same way. It's impossible for us to highlight every name and title of God in the Bible. But I want to give you two. We look in Genesis 1, and it says, God. God said, God did, God created. The word God, when you spell it in that way, shows us his wisdom, his power, to create. But it's much more than just a title that creates. The word God shows us a creator and sustainer. Sustainer. We see this in Psalm 104. All of creation looks to you to give them their food in due season. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you send out your spirit, they are created and renewed. Is this not a name worthy of being set apart? He's a creator, and he cares for us. In Genesis 2, we see the word LORD in all caps. When you see God, LORD in all caps, and LORD in little letters, they all mean something different. When we see it in all caps, it is a God who enters into relationships with man. I mean, we see this, don't we? The God who created the heavens and the earth stoops down and speaks to Adam, a speck of dust. He speaks to Adam. Nothing burns my britches more than when we treat the Bible lightly, like it's God's responsibility to speak to us. And this is why. When I worked at Lowe's, uh, one of the higher-ups, I mean the high higher-ups, came for his by his yearly visit. He did not know my name. He did not know the first thing about me. He did not speak to me. He did not acknowledge me. And guess what? I wasn't upset. Who am I to him? And yet, the God of heaven and earth spoke to Adam. That should knock our socks off. And not only did he speak to Adam, but when Adam sinned, when Adam flung up his nose, when Adam gave him his two weeks, God continued to speak to Adam. God bound himself to Adam with many great and precious promises. Is this not a name worthy to be set apart? And what about other names and titles? One day we might do a sermon series. You know, you think of God as shepherd. This is a title. He leads and he guides us. God is king. He rules and defends us. God is a rock. He supports and upholds us. Are these not names worthy to be set apart? 
God makes Himself known in names and titles. But God also makes Himself known in attributes. In attributes. God reveals Himself as infinite, eternal, unchangeable, holy, righteous, pure, full of wisdom, power, and goodness. Over throughout the Bible, it is these attributes to which the Bible grounds our faith. We can believe in God's promises. He has the power to fulfill. We can cling to God's promises because He does not change. We can trust Him no matter where we are in life because wherever we are, He is there. These define God as a person. But we need another set of attributes. We can call them relational. Being powerful is great, but you have to have someone to show it to. And we see this in Exodus 34. It says that he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. These are relational terms. And... Think about that God leads with these first. You know, when you introduce someone, you don't say the most obscure, meaningless point about their lives. You know, no one introduces me and says, you know, when Z- this is Zach Bird. When he was in the sixth grade, he had a concussion. No one does that. Who cares? Hopefully people say, this is Zach Bird, and he's a decent guy. We lead We introduce people with our strongest traits. What trait does God introduce with? Gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God comes to us in grace. It reminds me of my mother. I think I've told y'all before that she loved to pick up stray cats in the Sunflower parking lot in Laurel, Mississippi. And when she would see a stray cat, she didn't flail her arms around. She didn't act like a hooligan. No, she calmly coaxed this kitten to her and she took it up in her arms. She took these flea-ridden, starving, mean-as-a-hornet kittens and loved and nurtured them. And guess what? As the kitten grew, so did the love and honor it had for her. And now God looks at us, eat up with sin, starving for righteousness, mean as a hornet. God had every right to put us out of our misery. And yet he is merciful to us when we hurl curse words at him. He is gracious when we deserve death. He is slow to anger when we sin. He's abounding with steadfast love and faithfulness when we stray. How much more should we set his name apart? God has made himself known to us in his names, titles, and attributes. But he also makes himself known in his works. God makes himself known in his works. You go to a website and say they're trying to sell you some architecture. They want to design your house. When you go to the website, what are you going to see? Pictures of houses they've done. They want you to know the quality of their work by what they have made. And this is what Jesus says. He says, look, you know a tree by its fruit. 
In the same way, we know God by His, by his works. We've mentioned His creation. I mean, who doesn't look at a day like today and say, Wow. Who doesn't see a day like Tuesday and go, Wow. The first thing that we think when we walk out the door each day should not be, Oh man, it's going to take me all week to get this mowed. It's going to rain Monday and Tuesday. What am I going to do? God did not make this world to be your giant honeydew list. God made this world to make himself known. When, God, when Genesis 1, it says that God said, God did not say only to create. God said to reveal. We see this in the redemption of Israel. We just got through Exodus. Why did God redeem Israel? To set his name apart. This is the very hope and the thread of the Bible. Isaiah says that God's name will be known from the west to the rising of the sun. Zechariah says that all nations will gather to know God's name. Ezekiel, God says that he will sanctify his name. He will set it apart. And the nations shall know the Lord when he reveals his holiness. Has that not happened? In the book of John, John opens, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and through Him were made all things. We have a title, the Word. We have an act, creation. But God, John goes on, he says, The Word took on flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. What glory is he talking about? We have to read to the end of the book. We see the same thing in Mark. In the book of Mark, friends, families, and Pharisees think Jesus is out of his mind. When he teaches with authority, they're like, Who is this guy? Where did he go to school? Does he have a diploma? When Jesus calms the winds and the waves, his disciples go, Who is this cat? They had no idea who he was. But it's not until the very end of John, I mean the very end of Mark, when you see a lifeless Jesus Christ hanging upon a cross that a Gentile says, Truly, this man is the Son of God. Of God. That God made his glory known, his name known most clearly in the cross, in our redemption. Do you want to know God this morning? Do you want to know a God who enters into relationship with fallen man that only comes through Jesus Christ? Do you want to know God as creator and caregiver? As shepherd and king, that only comes by being born again by the Spirit of Christ. Do you want to see a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness? Look no further than Jesus Christ. God set His name apart by setting His Son apart. 
by setting his son to bear the punishment for us. He sanctified his name and showed his holiness by making his son a propitiation of our sins. Do we set this name apart? If not, I ask a very simple question. Do we know him? Is this not a name that should be set apart this morning? Before we can ever set God's name apart, we must know who he is. His name must mean something to us. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this once. When you come to God, even though you may be in dire conditions and circumstances, you may have some great concern on your heart and mind. But stop for a moment and realize this. Your greatest desire of all should be that this wonderful God would be honored, would be worshipped, and would be magnified. And I get it. Each one of us comes here and we have 99 problems. And Jesus acknowledges this reality. He says it later in the prayer. But we must listen to Christ and set God's name apart first. Set his name apart first and all the rest of our life will fall into place. So let's turn and ask a second question. We know God's name, but how do we set God's name apart? Let me give you three things. First, pray to know God. Pray to know God. If we're going to set his name apart, we have to know him. You know, I hate working with some people, and they're working on, they've, uh, on a vehicle, and they say, hand me that doohickey. Which doohickey? All of them are the, all doohickeys are the same. I like people to be specific. Hand me the pliers. Hand me a wrench. Hand me a crowbar. Don't hand me a doohickey. In the same way, when we come to God, we have to know. But knowing God is a spiritual exercise. That means that we need the Spirit's help. Paul says this, We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. We are, are unable to know God without the Spirit. You see, God has given us three books to study. The book of nature, the book of providence, and the book of Scripture. When we look at the world with spiritual eyes, do we not see God's handiwork? When we look at our past with spiritual eyes, do we not see God's handiwork? And above all, when we look at his word with spiritual eyes, do we not see his handiwork? If we're not praying that God would make his word fresh to us by the Spirit, if we're not praying that we would know God, you might as well read a John Grisham book. It will be more entertaining. We have to pray 
for his help. God does not dwell with the smart, the educated, the graduated. I wish I had a third word to keep that going. Uh, No. God dwells with the humble, with the lowly, with those who call out to him for help. If we are to set God's name apart, we must pray to know him more. Secondly, we must pray to follow God. If God sets his own name apart as holy, our life should reflect that reality. I overheard a, a parent once who said to her son, Son, do whatever you want to do, but don't tell people you're my child. We know exactly what she's saying. His actions will bring dishonor to her name. How can we set God's name apart if we treat it like trash? How can we tell the word that God's name is worthy if we're living just like him? When we stop following God in our lives, we tell the world that God is not worthy to be set apart. On the other hand, you have a child who does well in life, and it brings honor to the family name. We cannot add glory to God, but we can be like a spotlight that shines a light on it. When we show the world the evilness of sin and the pleasures of holiness, we set God's name apart. When we're more fixed on godliness than gold and things that glitter, we set God's name apart. We must live our lives in thought, word, and deed so that he is not dishonored on our account. We must pray that we follow God in setting his name apart. Lastly, pray to make God's name known. Pray to make God's name known. John Piper famously said that missions exist because worship doesn't. Our purpose is to set his name apart. That begins in our hearts, in our homes, in Hines County, and all across the world. If that is not our driving focus, if we do less than that, we are no more than a country club. We are less than useless. Hollowing God's name is the purpose of this church. Now, I get it. Many of us here will not ring a church bell in a foreign land. But we can pull on the bell rope of prayer and ring our petitions in God's ear. If that tornado siren only went off once a year, you know what I would call it? Broken. It should go off at least 12. If we pray for this only once a year, our hearts are broken. Like Paul in Acts 17, we must burn in our hearts when we see God's name profaned. We must offer up prayers on the fires of affection and say to God, God, set your name apart. My friends, names are important. And no name is more important than the name of our God. A late philosopher named Epictetus said this, What can an old lame man like me do but praise God? 
If I were a nightingale, I would play the part of a nightingale. If I were a swan, I would play the part of a swan. But I am a man. And I will play the part of a man by worshiping God. By setting His name apart. To dedicate our lives to God's glory is our glory. What is our business this morning? What are we putting first? Are we setting His name apart? Now let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bless and praise you this morning for all that your name is to us. More and more we come to know that, as David would often say, in the name of the Lord is our salvation. Father, would you give us spiritual eyes that we may see all that your name entails. And may we set it apart in our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.